everybody, this is Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 20. This is going to be our stupendous Phil Lamar interview episode. It is all downhill from here, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, after the episode. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all uphill from this particular moment. Yeah, for the next, like, hour, you got gold. <laughs> <laughs> after that, no promises. Yeah, we'll sell the show on, like, Craigslist and get on with our lives. <laughs> uh, we're not actually going to do that, right? Uh, well, let's let's see how our closing pans out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, news. We got some news before we get into the interview. <laughs> yeah, do you want to go first? Yes, yes. Uh, this is just a tiny little quick piece of news. <laughs> When, because we didn't mention this on our last episode with the Blackest Night number one, when they gave out Blackest Night number one, <laughs> they gave away a free black ring if you were lucky enough to be there early, because I heard most stores are were selling out of them. But uh, did you get a black ring, Dan? I did. It came in my uh, my DCBS box. And it, does it fit your fingers? It. All right. Here's the thing. I'm not a purist by any stretch of the imagination, but when it comes to Green Lantern rings and, you know, Black Lantern, Blue Lantern, whatever, Lantern rings, that's the one area in all of fandom where, at this point, I'm pretty much demanding perfection or nothing, because it's such a stupidly easy thing to make. I mean, it's it's... It's so natural. It's like, hey, Green Lantern gets his power from rings. Let's let's make merchandise out of rings. Why not? And whenever they do, they end up giving us these like cheap, crappy little plastic little one size fits none wastes of matter. And uh, I mean, I mean, you know those uh, the green ones that usually come with DC Direct figures where they're like they have the thickness of like two pennies sitting on top of each other, and you have to stretch the sides out completely to wear it. I, well, that, that's that's what we normally get, but this, this I will say, was like a step, like a major step in the right direction. Oh man, you know I thought you were just gonna like continue on and just like pan the quality of this ring. Oh no no, well I I still have to give it one major negative, which is gonna sound really dumb, but to me it matters, and that is that. This thing does not fit on my middle finger. And as a Green Lantern fan who has spent his entire comic reading life seeing power rings on the middle finger of the hand, putting it on my ring finger, which it does fit perfectly, doesn't really... It it, it just feels wrong to me, you know? Yeah, it fits perfectly on my middle finger, actually. Well, then I will be showing you my middle finger next time we meet. (laughs) nice actually on the forums big raj made a a quick little custom of his ring where he painted the insignia silver so i took his cue and i actually did that to my my ring too oh yeah yes it's very cool looking i'm looking at it right now and because i mean when you see the the pictures he posts you think oh okay i'll just get some white out and i'll just dab at it but the the what, what do you call the the Ray's symbol is so tiny like like you had better have some experience with like model painting 
or this is going to be a disaster. I do. Yeah. <laughs> this is so much better than I thought they were going to do. Like, I was, again, I was expecting those, uh, the quality of what they throw in with DC Direct toys. But, you know, if it was, if it was just slightly bigger in the band, it would be great. They get so close sometimes. <laughs> and either it's just off in size or it's a good size, except you have to, like, sell your child and then have another child and sell that one, too, just to afford the set. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, on, DC. Yeah, to continue on with the uh, topic of the rings, if you go to our forums you can scroll down and click on a topic entitled <clears throat> Costumes, where you can actually see some of the rings that are out there for sale. I think the company is Aroba Silver. They actually have, like, ten different styles of Green Lantern rings that you can buy. And there is another <clears throat> guy, his name is Shane, and there's a link on here to his MySpace page. He's making these light-up Green Lantern rings and also rings of the other core. It looks like kind of a clear resin. They they light up, and they look really cool. Yeah, I think I saw um, some website had a kind of a how-to instructional for that. Yes. And, like, they, they actually put little LED lights inside of them that have uh, a little button in the band, like, where your fingers touch. So just by, like making a fist, you can light this thing. Yes. That's amazing. So, check that out. Yes. Dan, you got Uh, some news now? Well, as everyone knows, San Diego Comic Con just ended, or just recently ended. When the hell was it? (laughs) Like a week ago? Two weeks ago? Two weeks when this podcast goes up. Foreshadowing! (laughs) And, you know, obviously we didn't attend, but, you know, they posted the Blackest Night panel online, and there are a few things I took note of. Okay. Well, I guess first off, the, this caught my eye because it uh, it calls back to a previous episode. Uh, remember when we were talking to Corwin? He couldn't remember uh, where the name Larflees came from. Right. Jeff Johns said he combined the words lard and sleaze. So that's, that's Larflees. Okay. All right, now here's something that made my ears perk up a little bit, even though I didn't hear it, I read it. A fan asked if the character Necron will be involved in Blackest Night. Looks like no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard that, and when when I saw that, like, it got me thinking, like, okay, well, it could be misdirection, because that he doesn't outright say no. So, like, that could be misdirection. Yeah. But then I started thinking, like, well, if it's not going to be Necron, then who else can it be? And... Somebody else asked the question of what will we see Krona or Sinestro's sister? And he said yes to both. So now, like, I think the last time we saw Krona, he was some kind of, like, cosmic being or something like that. He was in... I didn't read it, but I know it was there. He was in Trinity. Right. I didn't read it either. And now I'm kind of wondering, like, what role that's going to have, if any. I definitely want to get the trades of that. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that they don't go with Krona for the main big bad on this one, though. Yeah, they would. I mean, that would resonate with Green Lantern fans probably, but I don't, it needs to be. I mean, if they wanted to go ahead and make it just, you know, some of the dead guardians in general, then that would be fine with me. 
but yeah, well, I mean, I if, they, if they're gonna do that, then they might as well go with Krona because that's what he is. I kind of want something that's gonna be more powerful than a guardian. How about three guardians? I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. What if like a bunch of guardians just like link up like Voltron? Would that be cool? Would Krona be like the main body torso part? Yes. I guess I could buy that. Alright. <laughs> um, Alright, John's on Scar. The darkness started to influence her and tell her, you want to bring order to the universe? This is what true order is. Which, that that's a pretty good perspective on Scar that I hadn't really, you know, I don't think I've really applied to her. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, like, how, it's the Manhunter logic. How do you bring perfect order to the universe? Well, you kill everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of saw that. It's definitely easy to to see once she kind of, like, explains her motives in, was it issue 45 or 44? Uh, something like that. Uh, 44, I think. The one just out with Green Lantern, Flash, and Martian Manhunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we'll be getting to. The Black Rings aren't about who's dead. They're about who's alive. They're seeking out the dead that matter to our heroes. There will be two issues of Booster Gold featuring Booster facing off against Ted Kord. It's all about emotional growth for these characters. We're not just going to throw out Black Lantern X to fight with a character. That would just be a zombie movie that didn't matter. That's the one point that you have to hit home with anybody who's going to read this, anybody who hears about this, is that you know the knee-jerk reaction is to think, oh, this is Marvel Zombies, or this is you know Dawn of the Dead. It's going to be mindless zombies in superhero costumes, and maybe they'll have powers. But no, like, Black as Night, the zombies are going to matter because they are the people that they were before they died. Right. Right, that's all I got. We did get in there in the news that uh, there will be tie-ins outside of the tie-in miniseries. Two issues of Booster Gold, and I think I read somewhere that uh, two issues of Justice League of America will be doing the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, okay, I got one more piece of news. When this episode comes out, then on the Wednesday that just passed, Solomon Grundy number six will have come out. Ooh. So that's number six in a series of seven, and... Oh, God. What? It, am I stupid for just realizing that Solomon Grundy, the guy who talks about calendars, like, every time he opens his mouth, has a seven-issue miniseries. Yes. Like, an, an issue for every day of the week. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of on the cover, whatever day they're talking about. Ah, uh, shut up. <laughs> and on that note, uh. be right back, and we will have voice-acting great Phil Lamar. It's a very, very exciting interview, so... Hold on to your hats, and we will be back right after these messages.
Joining us on the phone right now is Phil Lamar. You probably know him from his stint on Mad TV. And as the voice of Jon Stewart in the Justice League Unlimited cartoon from the early 2000s. So, Phil, thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Good to be heard. So let's start with an obvious question. You played a comic book character for five seasons. Were you ever a comic fan? And if not, did the role make you interested in going back to read any? Uh, no, I've been collecting comics since I was very young. Um, I don't even know how far. <laughs> I can't even say when I started. No, I, I was a, a huge uh, comic book reader um, long before I started doing voiceover. Um, so, yeah, it was it was uh, a joy to, to be a part of. You know, I would always be the one hanging out after the recordings, talking with the writers about, oh, my God, I can't believe you, you know, use that, uh, you know, arc from this, you know, this book and that book, you know. So, yeah, I had a great time. That's awesome. Very cool. So you were a big DC guy growing up? Uh, yeah, actually, primarily DC. I was uh, uh, mostly a big Batman person growing up. Um, and... Um, yeah, so I, you know, but, you know, you read everything. So I knew all the characters, you know, in DC and Marvel, and um, it was, you know, fun to see them use stuff, especially when they, you know, some, you know, did the Golden Age sort of episode, you know, that was right. that was just a blast. Very cool. Well, now I have a question, actually, to uh, to play mm-hmm. off that. When, uh, did you watch any of the uh, the cartoons, the animated DC cartoons before you were on Justice League? Um, well, I, I watched Super Friends when I was a kid, um, but I did not uh, watch the Batman the Animated Series or the Superman series before I started working. So I, I didn't know the specifics right. of uh, Bruce Timm's work before I started working for him. All right. Talking about Justice League a little bit, I wanted to touch on something that almost always comes up when fans discuss the show's early seasons. People are quick to point to kind of unexpected character choices on the core team, such as like randomly using Hawkgirl and picking Jon Stewart over Hal Jordan or Kyle Rayner, even though Kyle had already been introduced into the, the Bruce Timm universe, you call it. Uh, so a lot of people think that the producers went out of their way to set up a core team that's as diverse as they could make it, just for the sake of being diverse, and that Jon Stewart was picked because he was black. At any point during the early days of the show, did you ever have the feeling that you were playing the token black character? No. No. It, it's funny because it was a conscious choice to not have it be seven white people saving the world. <laughs> I mean, Bruce actually said that to me. you know, And it was less about trying to cater to anything then I think sort of what they did a lot, correcting the problems inherent in the stuff that they were um, you know, in, you know, using. There were a lot of things they did um, and that people complained about. Making su- Superman we- weaker than uh, you know, other iterations of the character. Like when Superman, you know, in our, in our show when superman you know went you know in front and got blasted by something he got hurt he felt it you know he went ah a lot yeah and that's because it's 
uninteresting to watch an invulnerable character. Right. You know, uh, it's, I suppose it's different on the page, although people always play with, you know, his strength and mortality and, you know, all the characters. You know, they're always looking, introducing weaknesses, all of this stuff. But he was saying, like, no, this is the world we're going to use. And it didn't make sense to hold on to, you know, everybody being white. Right. You know, in the I mean, because it, these characters are not being created in the 30s this time. They're being <laughs> yeah. created in the 2000s, you know. Uh, that's a really um, good point. Yeah. You also mentioned Hawkgirl. I believe that the inclusion of Hawkgirl... Um, I don't know if they were initially planned to, because they they did this thing where they made, you know, all the Thanagarians somewhat Hispanic. And I don't know if that came after they cast Maria, because I think originally Hawkgirl was included just so Wonder Woman wouldn't be the token woman. Hmm. Right. You know, which, you know, has been frequently the case in the comics. You know, where she, and, you know, and consequently Wonder Woman becomes really dull, you know. Right. And they, they also, um, they, like, kind of powered her up for the cartoon also, I think. Well, they, they gave her a specific personality. Right. Which she had been sort of lacking <laughs> in the books. Yeah. You know, they made, they made her an aggressive, <clears throat> you know, a woman from a warrior culture, which was interesting because some versions of Wonder Woman have had that. But they gave Wonder Woman the royalty and Shaira the aggression. <laughs> it played out very well in the cartoon, I have to say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing is, you know, the choices they made, the only thing you can fault them for is it's not like the comic book. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which, <laughs> I mean, certainly these days is hardly a criticism. Yeah, you know, when you've got 50-plus years of continuity to deal with, what is... You know, which part of the comic book are you saying it's not like? The <laughs> 70s? The 40s? 1982 to 1985? <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Well, getting into the, the character specifically of Green Lantern, mm-hmm. you say you were more of a Batman fan. Had you read in the past Green Lantern stories that you were drawn to or whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, because I was... It's funny, because growing up when I did being a Batman fan introduced me to Neil Adams and from when you jump from Neil Adams you automatically go to the hard you know the hard driving hero stuff with Green Arrow and Green Lantern right and you know and that stuff was just otherworldly <laughs> you know just so good mm-hmm. so powerful um, and of course I was also introduced to Jon Stewart you know right. through those stories <laughs> although he was you know a, a, a very different character oh you know, god yeah <laughs> angry, black, shirtless architect. It was just like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I, the only thing we can really be thankful for is that they didn't make him Black Lantern. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> just, seriously, every other black character being introduced at that time was Black something. Black Goliath, Black Green Lantern, you know? <laughs> uh, black Vulcan. Exactly. Well, Yeah. <laughs> That that was always a weird. It's like, well, you had Black Lightning, why? And Black Vulcan has the exact same colors, <laughs> and pretty much the same. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I guess it was some weird ownership issue. Yeah. Uh, well, what was it like recording 
the voice of Black Vulcan for the Harvey Birdman show. Uh, no, that was just that was just silly fun, you know, because everything was just you know in my pants. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and was, I mean, literally, that was pretty much most of my lines, and it was you know designed to be ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we we have to we have to get down some of the basics as far as like how long have you actually been doing voice work now? Um. Well, actually, my very first professional job was a cartoon voice on the Mr. T cartoon back when I was a kid. <laughs> um, uh, back in you know mid late eighties. Um, but I've been really doing voiceover a lot god um since i i, I guess about 10 years is that right yeah 10 years yeah, since about the time i left mad tv that's <laughs> you know that's how long i've been really really pursuing but i guess actually no futurama started before that so maybe 97 98 did you leave mad tv to pursue a voice acting career career more more uh, no, focused. No, no. I, I left Mad TV to get the hell away from Mad TV. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it was very, it was a lot of fun, but just not the best uh, people to work for. Uh, oh, nice. You know. Well, it's Fox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 not, no, not uh, Fox. You know what? I, I firmly believe that the show lasted 14 years because Fox forgot it was on. It was, oh my god! The Fox people were never really. <laughs> An issue. Oh man! You know, after the the first season, you know, they were vaguely interested in trying to, you know, set Mad TV up as a alternative to Saturday Night Live. But when everybody realized that Saturday Night Live was not going to go away or get canceled or, you know, suddenly stop drawing lots of people, then everybody started ignoring Mad TV again. Oh man! Including the Fox publicity department. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, next question That's kind of a follow-up to that You know, you do voiceovers now Would you say that's, like, harder or easier Than, like, doing sketch comedy? Oh, it's much easier <laughs> Much, much, much easier there's, there's no latex makeup Like, on Mad TV, you'd spend, you know 16 hours doing a five-minute sketch Jeez You know, we do a half-hour cartoon in maximum four hours. Wow. And you don't have to memorize it. That's awesome. <laughs> you know? I, I realize this probably is probably project-specific, but do you feel like you get a better performance out of yourself when you're doing voiceover work versus something in front of the camera? Um, you're right. It, it, it is project-specific. I mean, I believe that the work I got to do as John Stewart is to date the most challenging and the the broadest and most rewarding acting work I've ever gotten to do. I mean, I got to play action scenes, you know, love triangles, betrayal on trial for murder, you know, <laughs> all of that stuff. You know, I mean and if I add up everything else I've done together I'm not going to get that much good good stuff. But some animation, most animation, is not as well done or well written as Justice League. You do Wow Wow Wubsy, you're not going to be challenged the same way. 
Yeah. I was a little surprised to recently find out that you attended the San Diego Comic Convention a few weeks ago. Or was it last week? Uh, uh, I guess, yeah, last week. Yeah, you got the pleasure of meeting our gigantic programming director there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, here it is. It's like, what, three, three and a half, four years after Justice League Unlimited ended, and you're still going to these massive geek gatherings to sign and meet the fans. So this... This must have been a really positive experience for you to keep at it this long afterwards. Well, oh, yes, definitely. I mean, to be associated with something that's great never gets old, you know. Plus, I'm also, you know, a comic book fan and still doing other comic book-related projects. You know, I worked on uh, the new Spectacular Spider-Man series and a couple of the other Marvel uh, animated shows. Um, and actually, we just did a um, Batman um, DVD movie featuring the Red Hood storyline. Oh, wow. Hmm. So I'm sure that'll be out probably next year. Very cool. I don't think they've even mentioned that one yet. I don't think they have either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say anything except that it exists. <laughs> it's a Lantern cast exclusive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we break news now. I love it. Now, as far as I can tell, on Justice League, you know, you obviously you voice John Stewart. You also provide the voice of Static and of Steel. But as far as I can tell, that's that's all the characters on the show you were, which struck me a little odd considering how large the cast grew to be during the final three seasons. Were there any characters you wanted to play but never got the opportunity? Um, let's see. Not really. Um, we didn't really double up much with with the major heroes. Um, I might be wrong about this, but I don't believe there was anybody, certainly not of the the main seven, who got to do. Well, I got to do Steel, but yeah, it was very it was very rare that they would double cast um, one of the people doing the main voices as another hero. Hmm. Um, they usually would just bring in other people, and we all we all did lots of smaller characters. You know, if there was a henchman or a government agent or something in an episode, you know, I probably did that voice as well as John Stewart and something else. But yeah, no, you're not going to hear Kevin Conroy doing Batman and Elongated Man. Oh my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> you know they. They were very specific about wanting each, you know, the major hero certainly to have a specific personality and a specific voice, and they wouldn't want them to sound alike. Hmm. So unlike smaller shows, um, Justice League would use a much bigger cast. Um, you've trying you got me wondering now about Unlimited, because there were so many people by the end there. Yeah. That I, I wonder, do you know if anyone else? played multiple characters? I'm not sure. Yeah, Jim? I'm not really sure. I think James Remar, well, he guessed it as two different characters. Um, he was the Manhunter in the uh, Blackest Night episode, mm. and he was also uh, Hawkman. Oh! Oh, wow. I think that's uh, and, of course, those were, I think, maybe three years apart. 
Jeez. Now, as we're talking about this, I, I realize that as far as I can tell, I don't think I've ever seen, you know, Justice League or, or not, I don't think I've ever seen a show where you voice a villain. Like, you always seem to be, like, some sort of good guy. Have you ever been an outright, you know, bad guy in a show? Um, yeah. I'm sure I have. Yeah, I think I was uh, Blockbuster in one of the Justice League episodes. And I was also was not so much a villain as a boss. In the, the Metal Gear series, I was uh, the character Vamp, who's very, very, very evil. Oh, in the video game? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. More heroes than not, yeah. Not sure why. <laughs> I, I, got, I got another question for you, Phil. Can I call you, Phil? Uh-huh. You may, please do. <laughs> I, I've probably been calling you, Phil, for like the whole <laughs> entire interview. Can I make you start talking shit? No, please, call me Bill. <laughs> <laughs> as far as, you know, playing two characters because they wanted everybody to have their own specific voice. Just looking at some of the some of the things that you've done, like you've displayed such like incredible diversity as far as like uh, Hermes from Futurama, Static from Static Shock, and oh my god, it's like you know, how, how do you go from a Static to a Hermes to uh, Samurai Jack? Samurai Jack. <laughs> I mean, really. It's all just, um, you know, looking at the, you, hopefully you, they have designs and, you know, listening to the writer's ideas and just finding a voice. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I have a pretty middle range voice myself, um, so I can go up or down fairly uh, easily. Although I have to say, there was a while there where we were doing static shock at nine in the morning, oh. and it's—I mean, you guys know how it is. Your your voice when you wake up in the morning is lower. <laughs> so, like being a fourteen-year-old at nine a.m. is a whole lot harder than being a fourteen-year-old at two p.m. <laughs> you know, and I kept begging them, like, "Can't we do afternoons?" <laughs> you know, Ahem. hey God, you know. Oh my God! <laughs> Trying to push it up. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. Uh, Let's talk about Samurai Jack. Mm -hmm. This show was a fairly experimental type show and, like, critically acclaimed. Yeah. Like, when, you know, me and Dan, we found out that you were the voice of Samurai Jack, I I was, like, shocked. It's like, oh, my God, like, he also did the voice of Samurai Jack. That's incredible. You know, (laughs) what was it like, you know, doing that show? It was amazing. Um, I mean, it wasn't a ton of talking (laughs) for the part, but just being on the show, because the show itself was so good. Um, And I was fortunate enough to be able to see the show at the beginning of the show, which you don't usually do. Usually you're doing a character for six to nine months before you ever get to see them visually, you know, come to life. Really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. because usually all they have are character designs. You know, and you can sort of see how a character looks. With you know, with Justice League that was really um, you know, helpful. Because you see that Bruce Tim design and for me, just 
the way he draws most of his characters with the thin legs and the enormous chests. <laughs> I mean, that is that's part of the reason that I you know gave him the voice that he has. <laughs> because I mean, when you have a big barrel chest like that, you know, it didn't seem to make sense that he would have a voice like you know, a, he should have a big resonant voice. You know, and it's funny because we do those sessions, and there were all of these. Huge voices. You know, you had Kevin doing Batman <laughs> and Carl doing John Jones and I was doing John St- You know, like, there was a lot of bass in the room. You know, um, for Samurai Jack, Gendy Artakovsky, who created it, had done a animation test to show Cartoon Network what he was thinking about. And it was just incredible to watch. And it was fun because you got to got a sense of the show visually at the same time we were creating it you know vocally and um yeah i it's one of my favorite shows and it's funny because like where john stewart i'd say i had like an enormous range of you know acting to play with samurai jack there was so much less for me to do but the show itself was able to do so much, you know, just with sound and music and action and, you know, and every episode was different, you yeah. know. It was, it was, yeah, just really fun. Yeah, unless I missed it somewhere, they never did finish the story of Jack, and there's, yeah, there, there's always these rumblings that, oh... An animated movie's coming. It's gonna tie it all up. It's coming. When's it coming? I don't know, but it's coming. It's, do you know anything about that? <laughs> no, I mean, I know that Gindy, Gindy would like to do an animated feature. You know, who knows how feasible it is, and you know, and if and if it can be done, who knows when? But mm. yeah, no, I know nothing. <laughs> I have another question for you, Phil. Now, with with all the voices that you've done, with all the voice work that you have done, at this point, do you have your own studio that re- you record in, or do you go and record with people? No, no, no. I go in and record. Um, it's always better if you can do it with, with the, the rest of the cast. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can't because of scheduling issues, and you know you have to record alone or without someone that you're doing a scene with. And obviously they make it work. But as an actor, it's so much better to be doing dialogue with the person you're doing dialogue with. You know, because you don't... You can respond to the line the way they're giving it to you. As opposed to having to imagine how someone might say something to you and then imagine how your character would answer it. Right. You know, that's just uh, a lot of imagining going on. <laughs> Funny, you've got me uh, looking to see if I ever played any villains. <laughs> and uh, I, on uh, Grim and Evil, I played on Evil Concarne. I was, uh, I mean, it wasn't a very good villain, but it was Hector Concarne. was, you know, a disembodied brain trying to take over the world. Uh, those are the best kinds of brains. <laughs> it's disembodied. That was you? <laughs> You were the brain? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I am Hector Concarne. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yes, who me? 
Oh, that's that's crazy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a silly show. <laughs> the first time in the world I, I'd ever ha- had half a show canceled. <laughs> what? It, it was the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy and Evil Concarni. It was grim and evil, and then they canceled our half. <laughs> and kept Billy and Mandy. Like, oh, okay. Well, I'll see you guys later. Oh, wow. <laughs> so some some of the other voices that you've done in Bader Zim, you've done voices for Kim Possible. You've done you've actually done a voice for Drawn Together. Like yes. wait, so some of these uh these other voices that maybe like are not as high profile. Like, are there any that stick sure. out in your mind as far as like extra fun to do? Uh, of the ones that nobody knows, um, probably uh, actually the guys after Grim, after Evil Concarni was canceled, the people who were doing Billy and Mandy brought me onto that show a few times to do a character uh, called Dracula, who was supposed to be Dracula, but like an old crotchety Dracula. <laughs> Um, who sounded like Red Fox. <laughs> Dracula don't bite. You know, oh Dracula don't suck no blood. <laughs> Dracula bite, then lick. Oh, God. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, that one was a lot of fun to do. Um, trying to think of any of the others. Mm, I don't know. The, the little ones you, you tend to forget. Oh, there was one on uh, Jimmy Neutron, a character named Bowlby who was just a bizarre foreign exchange student with an indiscernible accent. <laughs> Hello, fellow students. Oh, my I God. I am Bulby. You know. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, I saw that on the, you know, your, your page of work, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. And then all of a sudden you just did it. Oh, my God. I remember that now. Yeah, that was just a really weird character. <laughs> Oh, I, now, a role that I had no idea that you did until researching for the interview, you played the role of Axel Foley in the Clerks animated series? <laughs> yeah. And that, that was, I mean, there wasn't that much to that, you know, just a, just an Eddie Murphy impression. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, y'all, we got to go. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> the, the most fun thing about that was working with Kevin Smith and, and all the guys from Clerks. You know, right. that was just a blast. But, yeah, the, the work itself wasn't really – it's not going on my reel. Right. <laughs> oh, man. For the upcoming, you know, direct-to-DVD public enemies coming out of DC and Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, when the when the story ran through the comics, Jon Stewart was at least a small – had a, a small role in it. But from what we can tell, he's not included in the movie. Um, I don't know. I – I haven't heard that he is, but if he is, it ain't me. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that was that answers one question, because I didn't know if, like, if you had ever been approached to reprise the role for this film. No, or... no in fact, uh, Warner Brothers put out a video game with the Justice League characters and using Jon Stewart as Green Lantern, and I think specifically wanted someone who was not me. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I'm not sure why, but, you know. Wow. Would you be willing to reprise the role as Jon Stewart at some point? Because they 
like using this movie again, they're drawing from kind of the JLU pool. They've got like Kevin Conroy coming back as Batman, for example. So if, if the opportunity presented itself, would you be John Stewart again? Oh, of course, yeah. No, that was, that was such a fun character, and especially if you know it were um, Bruce and those guys doing it. But um, yeah, it, it feels like um, the pendulum has sort of shifted uh, as far as Green Lanterns. Because you know, when we did, when we started Justice League, there was marginal mainstream interest in Green Lantern as a character. You know, it wasn't Hal anymore. It was Kyle, and people, you know, even Green Lantern fans were divided on him. It was not a big ticket character. Now, with the movie coming and, you know, superhero movies being so much bigger than they have been. And to be honest, I think Iron Man, the success of Iron Man, lit a huge fire under Green Lantern because they're similar in some ways, in that they are not top tier worldwide world you know world renowned superheroes but at the same time everybody knows a you know, I've heard of him yeah I remember yeah I know Iron Man it's a it's a cartoon character or something right you know but you're not tied to a lot of preconceptions you can reinvent them you know to whatever version is the most marketable without too much flack. Oh, yeah. You know? Whatever happens with the movie, the live-action movie and whatever now, I'm, I am still point to Justice League and Justice League Unlimited as what really started to make Green Lantern a, like, almost a household name for non-comic readers. Yeah, that was really, like, the first mainstream exposure outside of the comics for the character. The strongest version of the character in mainstream. You know, I mean, the, the Super Friends version was sort of like, okay, I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, but there was nothing you responded to, you know. The way that they, you know, created this Green Lantern, and that may have been part of their reason for choosing Jon Stewart as well, because they, at the time, there was so much confusion, the the comic book version. It's like, well, we do Hal, we do Kyle, which version do we do, you know they could basically get kind of a clear template. Because their John Stewart had nothing to do with the comic book John Stewart. You know, uh, this is you know, a guy with a military background. He was not an architect. Like, tonally, he was very different than he had been set up. But he was, you know, the way he worked in that ensemble established him as a strong character. And it made, you know, it was interesting because there was no creativity with the ring like he didn't make shapes you know there were no boxing gloves <laughs> you know they were they were beams and they were shields you know it was very much you know the character they created of, of a military guy it's like i'm not trying to impress anybody i'm trying to get the job done that is my will hmm. you know and um i think that version of the character along with you know, the quality of the show helped that character pop in a lot of people's minds in a way that he hadn't maybe since, you know, the first iteration of it, you know, the original Green Lantern. Definitely. I mean, a story I've told Jim before, and it's brief, it's, um, 
back in the early 2000s, I was living in Manhattan and you know, I was waiting for I was standing there waiting for a light to change. I had a Green Lantern symbol t-shirt on and these two kids, they couldn't have been more than like 10 or 11 years old. They run past me, one of them looks back, sees my shirt and points and yells, "Hey, it's Green Lantern." And you know, as much as I would like to to think the kids are reading comics, odds are they know the character from your show. So, you know, you, yeah, you definitely provide something that that resonates with people. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's also it's also just the I mean, they they call it broadcasting for a reason. It, it you know goes out there to millions of people, you know, in a way that books don't. You know, it's 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 a shame. I mean, the good thing is it was in the hands of really capable people, and the version of the book they put out there was a strong one, and I think respectful of the work, you know, all the work that had come before. Very true. Dan, did you have any other questions? I think that's it for me. Should we, uh... Yeah, we have questions from the Internet for you, Bill. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, before we get to those questions on our uh, on the Internet, my, my one last question for you is... Uh, do you ever start a voiceover job and think maybe this is the one that'll bring in the Simpsons money? No, no, that's that, <laughs> um, no. That's I don't know. That's like driving down the highway and you know coming to a stop sign. It's like this the stop sign is gonna get hit by lightning. <laughs> I mean, the thought may cross your mind, but there's no way of knowing, and there's no. I mean. The Simpsons is literally a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. You know, I don't foresee that happening again anytime. I mean, one, just because it's impossible. It's almost impossible to create something that good, you know, that often. Right. And two, because <laughs> the corporate ownership involved in entertainment these days which wasn't really around when that show came on, it's bizarre, but they don't want another Simpsons. Huh. I, and I know it seems strange. The, the shows that have these ginormous hits, like the people you know, who have SpongeBob, and you know, they love that it makes them a lot of money, but they resent the fact that it makes other people a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fact that they have to pay Matt Groening or you know, Steve Hillenberg or, you know, to, in order to, for them to make that money, just irks them on such a deep level that a lot of times, you know, it's like they would rather kill a show that they only get 50% of than, you know, let somebody else get half the money. Wow. So we'd rather have 100% of nothing than you get 50% of something. Oh, man. I think I've seen supervillains use that motivation before. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it, it really is almost, you know, this Lex Luthor. It's like, Lex, relax. Superman's not trying to hurt you. He's taking my glory. This is my city. <laughs> it's enough to go around. <laughs> awesome. Oh, wow. They were, yeah, it's bizarre. Okay. Uh, but no, no, never. never the, the Simpsons isn't something you shoot for, <laughs> you know. It's, it's something that is it's like the pyramids. You know, you don't look at the pyramids and go, "Ooh, I'm gonna go home and build me one." <laughs> oh boy! Wow. Uh, on to our right. Facebook questions. 
Yeah, we uh we put the call out to our listeners to you know come up with questions they might like to hear you answer. And uh, why don't you start off, Jim? I think you have the the Facebook page up. Right. Okay. Question from Ben Rush. He says, "It seems that you, Michael, and Kevin were getting the best lines most of the time." Was that by accident, or did you guys do some rewriting? Uh, he's talking about Justice League Unlimited. No, no, no. We didn't do any rewriting. Um, that was, I think, uh, happenstance. You know, um, the there was a lot of... I mean, Michael got a lot of good lines, because given the heaviness of the show, Flash was the only comic relief we had. Hmm. Um, except when you could put something wry in Batman's mouth. <laughs> right. You know, and every once in a while they could throw something out and like anything even like they would just break the the ice on Batman was hilarious because you weren't expecting it. Right. And my character again was sort of a new character, like he wasn't as tied down into a persona as say Superman or John Jones. I mean John is the alien. He he doesn't speak all that much. He, you know, he, he can't do. You know, he's a, he's a little limited writing wise. Right. And you know, they had uh, Flash and John Stewart. You know, banter back and forth. You know, rub each other the wrong way. Um, it was actually, I think, a real problem that when they lost Michael to Smallville, because there was a period there where he just wasn't around as much and so when we would do the group recordings he was never there <laughs> and they started writing less for his character they couldn't you know when it's not there for the writers you know producers to hear they can't be sure how well it's going to work so they just take less of a chance by putting less in and it was a shame because he was just he was a blast to have in the room <laughs> dan you want to uh take on the Questions from the forum? Alright, let's see. Alright, this one comes from Big Raj. He loved your delivery guy character on Mad TV. In real life, are you more like Jon Stewart or the delivery guy? <laughs> that's true. That's a, that's a pretty wide wide swap there. Um, I'm much more like Jon Stewart than I am like the delivery guy. <laughs> Which I think is, is why I created the delivery guy. <laughs> as an escape from myself. You gotta make sure that doesn't build up in you for too long. <laughs> well, you know, being in control and on top and, you know, every once in a while I was like, God, I wish I could be the stupid one. You know? <laughs> I just have everybody else try to fix things. Alright, um, FlashGL78 asks, how busy were you doing Justice League and Futurama at the same time? Um... Not uh, not that busy. I mean, uh, animated shows record, you, generally speaking, they record at most once a week hmm. because the scripts have to be written. It takes, you know, time to generate the material and get it right, you know, and to storyboard everything. Yeah, so there's, it was very easy. I mean, that was, you know, a four-hour day of work twice a week. I'm not okay. trying to remember what days we did which. I think we did Futurama 
a one-hour table read on Wednesdays and then recorded on Fridays, and then Justice League was on Monday afternoon, something like that. It was, yeah, it worked perfectly. It was a, a joy. <laughs> and he also asked, and this is kind of going with his Flash Green Lantern theme here, uh, did you and Michael Rosenbaum become good friends while working on the show? Um, uh, we did while we worked on the show, but then I guess while we were in that first season, Michael went off to Vancouver. Mm. Um, we still keep in touch vaguely, but yeah, unfortunately we didn't get to hang out because you know, he would come in for a week at a time. But I, I, yeah, I I like Michael. I think he's a great actor and a hilarious guy. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Deep Blue Z. Wait, what was that? Um, the Deep Blue Z, letter Z. Z. Ah, yeah. Uh, he's he's fascinated with voice acting work, and we've actually touched on a lot of what he wanted to ask, but yeah. he's got some stuff here too. Uh, okay, how about this? In the early seasons of Justice League, Jon Stewart was fortunate enough to get a lot more backstory and character development than the rest of the main cast, particularly thanks to the Manhunter episode. He also got a lot of great romantic dramatic development later on. Any comment on whether that was helpful to you or presented any challenges as a voice actor? Right. Well, it's funny. Yeah, that does touch on a lot of what we talked about before. Yeah. Um, both the fact that they were reinventing the character. He was, you know, along with Hawkgirl, the blankest slate for the writers. So they had to put out more information. And there was more information to put out. And, yeah, for me, it was just a blast to have all of that drama to, to play, to bring to life. He also wants to know, did you try out for any other characters initially, or was it always Green Lantern? Um, yeah, no, it was, it was... No, I also read for Jean Jones. Oh. Okay. Yeah. But it's funny, yeah, I went in um, to audition for Jon Stewart, and the guy who was in there ahead of me was the actor Dennis Haysbert from uh, The Unit and who played the president uh, on 24. Oh, yes. basically looks like Jon Stewart. <laughs> he's like six foot four, 200, he's a strapping guy, but he's got this you know, enormously <laughs> And, you know, I saw him come out, I'm like, well, that's the guy. That's he's it. <laughs> I mean, really, nothing you can do. So I just did the same thing that I thought he would have done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I, I mean, you know, you see somebody, it's like you can't get anything else into your head. It's just Dennis Haysbert. You know, <laughs> but it was hilarious when they hired me to do Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> that's great. His last question. Is do you prefer John with his original high and tight haircut or bald with a goatee? <laughs> I have to say I prefer the uh, the later look. I, I I actually, you know, in a subtle way tried to talk to them about that because I mean at the time we were starting the cartoon that haircut was already like six eight years out of date. <laughs> like nobody has a high top fade. Not even the old military dudes. You know? <laughs> but they'd already made the designs. 
Oh. So it wasn't until they were redesigning everything, you know, and, and bringing back, uh, bringing the Unlimited into the Justice League that they then, you know, redesigned that hair. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, Jim, um, did you have any more? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Phil, with Futurama, like, well, two questions. One one will go, you know, kind of light, and then we'll get into the, the more <laughs> deep stuff. But with the character of Hermes, did you go in, like, do you already have this Hermes voice, like, in your repertoire that you just kind of, like, unleashed, or did you just develop it right then and there for the character? Um, well, actually... When I first went into audition for the character, he wasn't named Hermes. Um, he was named Dexter, oh. and and he wasn't Jamaican until the fourth episode. <laughs> there was it's, it's funny because I remember we had been recording for a few weeks, and there had been you know they had re they had uh, made some changes in the characters prior to that, and then uh, Matt Groening came up to me, yeah. The Hermes character is just not really clicking, which you know fills you with dread. And it's like, can you do a Jamaican accent? I'm like, yes, yes I can. <laughs> and um, so yeah, we then we tried it with the Jamaican accent, and it sort of clicked better for the writers. They were able to find more things to do with the character. But uh, yeah, I, and I, I think I think the original Dexter voice had some of the girth, some of the heaviness to it, but I believe he was more more of a, like, almost a comic shop nerd, you know, voice before. <laughs> and and then later, we added the Jamaican accent to the sort of heaviness of the voice, you know. Hmm. Oh, wow. And that's where it stayed. <laughs> nice. Okay, so now to get into the, the heavier stuff, we have word that, Fox is trying to recast Futurama right now. Uh, they were. They were threatening to as part of, you know, contract talks. Um, but uh, I, as far as I know, all of the main, uh, the actors who do the main characters um, are now coming back. Excellent. So you will be Hermes Conrad again? I'm not one of the main characters. Oh. Um, I expect to be coming back, but I they haven't called yet. Oh, God. They've been busy pretending to recast the, <laughs> everybody else. Oh, well, the, they better have Hermes die in some sort of explosion then, because I don't want a different voice if they're going to bring back everyone else. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Presumably that, presumably we will all be back, um, because when the show got picked up, uh, Matt Groening and David X. Cohen, you know, called each of us, you know, personally at home to say, "Hey, we're back." So, I'm pretty certain that their intention is for the show to be back as the show. Right. Very good. Very good. Well, that's that's good news. <laughs> we're hoping that it'll get better. But Good news, everyone! <laughs> yes. Oh, Are you out of questions, Jim? I, I think, yeah. Okay. I think that's... Oh, that's all the forum questions? Yes. 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 <clears throat> when do you guys uh, post the, the podcast? Uh, this will probably go up within a week. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Really... 
Actually, before we let you go, before we stop recording, there's no way we could let you go without asking this. Could you, as Jon Stewart, recite the Green Lantern Oath for everybody right now? (laughs) Sure. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. And that was amazing. I got chills just now. (laughs) (laughs) I've got... The funny thing is that I had that memorized. I guess it's not really that long, but even when we did the episode, you know, as a comic book you know reader, you know it. Yeah, yeah. it really. It, I don't think it even really came up that many times in the five seasons of the show. I, no, I uh, only do, only once. Wow. Oh, in, uh, in Blackest Night, um, as the. Manhunters are destroying the Guardian's temple, uh, and he uses his power ring to draw the giant Manhunter's energy into the ring itself and then restart the, the central lantern. That's the only time um, I ever did the oath. That was wow. such a cool scene, too. Yeah, it was fun. Okay, Phil, you have been very gracious with your time. Thank you very much. For, for coming on and answering all our questions. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been it's been wonderful talking to you. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, Phil Lamar, and we'll be back right after this quick break. Hi, my name's Mike. Join me and my brother-in-law Rich as we discuss DC's comic book The Flash on our podcast entitled Flashback. It's located at Flashback Podcast. .podbean.com That's flashbackpodcast.podbean.com Hi everybody, and we're back again after our fantastic interview with the amazing Phil Lamar. That was, wow. Yeah. How great is it that he's a comic fan? I know, it's just, that was a truly fantastic interview. Yeah, and just just throwing it out there again, thank you, Phil Lamar, for coming on and talking to us when, you know, you didn't have to, but, you know. And also, thank you to our program director, Jason, the Darth Knight on the forums, for getting that fantastic interview for us. Yeah, and shout out to everybody who's listening who submitted questions, which we barely had to ask any of them, because they came up in just his tangents as we went along. That was... Which, that was that was great. Okay, so, if they want to contact us, Dan, what do they do? Well, Jim, they can write us at lanterncast at gmail.com, or they can visit our message board on thecomicforums.com, scroll on down to L for Lanterncast. Do we have a website that might just be new? We actually, strangely enough, do have a brand new website. I knew I'd be right about that one of these days. And you can find it at lanterncast.com. It has links to our forum, so you don't have to remember that other website name. And it also has links to our gallery and links to our brand new Facebook page. Yay! Way to diss the comicforums.com. I'm I'm telling Peter Rios on you. Oh, no, I love the comicforums.com, but... Or or as you would think of it, that other website. I can never remember the name. I have have CGS... I have the CGS website 
bookmarked. So I just click yep. on that and click on the forums button. We have individual email addresses. I'm Dan at LanternCast.com. You're Jim, Jim at LanternCast.com. Yes. Darth Knight is Jason at LanternCast.com. I am Chonata on the forums. And I am Glenn on the forums. And that's a wrap. Yeah. Good night, everybody. See you soon.